This is Laid Off, the Blair Thomas podcast, available everywhere you get your podcasts. If it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, or just saying, hey, Alexa, play the Blair Thomas podcast. It's there for you. Or just head to BlairThomasMedia.com. It's always there. And a cool episode here. We actually have stuff to update you on about our wedding. I feel like I've been teasing it and trying my best to keep you guys updated. But now there are some real updates, some real progress. And my fiance, Marissa, joins me for this episode. We got kind of deep on this one, I feel like. Uh, We had a lot of good topics, too, including, well, a lot about her, an update on the planning process, and what it was like for her to grow up with eight siblings. You'll find out why she gave away all of her belongings in a foreign country. That's a story you don't want to miss. Plus, we're going to talk a lot about why life's greatest moments don't always need to be captured on a camera. (laughs) We get into so much more, too. Uh, You're going to learn a lot about us by the end of this episode. All right, here's the one where I interview my fiance. On a scale of 1 to 10, how nervous are you right now? Oh, I'm zen right now. Please. I am. Live. I just had to meditate for like 10 minutes before this. Because you were so nervous. I'm nervous. I'll be honest. This is. I've done a lot of things behind a microphone. I've never been this nervous to do anything in my life. Yeah. I mean, I've never been behind a microphone like at all ever. So it's definitely an odd feeling, but... um. I'm giving it my best shot. Yeah, I'm talking with Marissa. It's my fiance. She's the nurse. I was the radio guy. I'm in real estate now. Do you think I would be a better nurse or you would be a better radio show host? We'd probably both fail at both. (laughs) I mean, I can't imagine you um, doing the things I have to do. And I I definitely can't imagine myself talking on the radio. Could not handle any of the bodily fluids and things like like cleaning yeah, up after I people. Even, you do that every day. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Don't even want to go there right now. It's kind of traumatic. You have to block it out. You have to compartmentalize. I know. Well, the purposes of this podcast is to introduce our journey a little bit. We touched on this in the video we just posted on social, but um, things have been crazy for the last year. Like I said, we were engaged in December 2019, um, and then 2020 happened, basically. Um so, first question for you. How surprised were you when I proposed to you? Mm, I, wasn't, I was surprised. Yeah, I was really surprised. I don't know why. Like, I definitely knew that it was coming. But it's like all the signs were there and I still just didn't make the connection. Yeah, I, it went down at St. Patrick's Cathedral. I thought you were going to ruin the entire proposal because... The whole thing was scheduled out by the minute to make sure that we were at the dinner on time. So we had time to get over to the theater and all of that. And then you knowing that you had an extra like 45 minutes to get ready meant that like you were going to take your time. You took a little nap. Well, why would you plan out a scheduled to the T proposal when you know I am the most laid back, take my time, feel comfortable type person? Well, no, because. I built in a buffer to the buffer, right? The plan, or here was oh, the plan. Oh, and I like overcame all, I like, you know, went past both those buffers. Yes. But also we did not have much time, Blair. No, we had plenty of time. No, we didn't. We had one hour to get ready. I still needed to shower, dry my hair, do my makeup, Here's what get dressed. You Here's forget how long no, it takes to get ready. I do know. That's why I built it. Here's what happened. So the plan was to go see Phantom of the Opera in New York City. So we go to Broadway and I planned out the whole day. I'm like, all right, we're going to get 
a little bit of lunch at this spot, and then after that, we're going to have a little time to get yeah, ready. Yeah, well, I was exhausted and after then, shopping all day. Oh boy. And then I said, let's go to dinner. It's going to be right around the corner from St. Patrick's Cathedral. And I picked that place because it was close by and then made it so that we could get to dinner at this time and then get out at this time, have a little space in between dinner and the show to go to the church. That's where I was going to propose. Right, but you also didn't account for New York traffic, so I was not entirely wrong. Don't I remember sitting. No, Blair, happened. I remember sitting in that cab for about 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes to go like two miles. So it's not all my fault. You know, that we had a 15-minute proposal. It's not my fault. You almost ruined your own proposal. How do you feel about that? Well, I think that I should have had more time to get ready. One final question about the proposal, because now I got you on the hot seat. Do you think I screwed up by not getting photos of me on one knee? Because there was a really intense thought process behind that decision. Yeah. No, I respect that you were trying to take my feelings into account. You know, um... Perhaps it would have been a little bit much to have somebody with a camera taking pictures. But at the same time, I feel like I would have liked it for the memory. Um, You know, we have a picture we took with the iPhone afterwards. Totally fine. Um, But I think it would have been really fun and kind of would have made the moment feel really special if we had, you know, here's the picture of you down on one knee. Here's a couple pictures after where we both could kind of, you know, enjoy the process, enjoy the moment a little bit longer. Cause it was kind of like quick. It was like, you propose. I, I, I was like, you know, I couldn't even focus. I was kind of like just processing everything. And then we snapped the photo and then we left. So it was just like, you know, if it had a little bit more time, but I, I also time, you actually didn't take a nap. No, it, well, we're, we're talking about the photos now. We are talking about the photos now. We're not talking about well, we had to the rush time out of there frame. to get over to the theater. Okay, then yes, I think that it would have been nice to have photos, but I respect why you did not. Thank you, thank you. That's all I wanted to hear. But as long look, I'm being completely honest here. As long as you weren't like angry at me for not doing that fine <laughs> it's the one thing i didn't want to screw up i know i'm not angry it just would have been such a nice photo of you down on one knee that's it yeah. that's all that's the only thing i wish i had but other than that it was great yeah we'll, we'll do a redo put on the same <laughs> suit and go to new york and do it again the last year plus has been crazy trying to plan everything because well we've had like a roller coaster ride like initially we had an endorsement thing lined up with a radio station and then after they told us for three months that we could find a partner in the area to do a big endorsement with, the radio station just backed out and said, yeah, we can't do that after we selected a date. Whoa, that was, what, October 2020. Right. Um, right after that, the COVID outbreak happened. Now we're scrambling. Then I lost my job. So we really hadn't had a chance to, like, I don't know, do anything planning-wise. Like, hardcore planning until June july of last year i mean when did we actually start like locking things in as far as planning yeah i mean that's a good question probably actually not until like last fall i would say like august september we really started planning again and we were planning for that september 2021 date so we had a good year um after it being pushed back for a year yeah and you didn't try on a dress at all until like October because that that was yeah. the one part that I felt the worst about and I told John about this on the pod as well I'm like I feel horrible that what's supposed to be the happiest time of her life is just marred by unemployment and a pandemic and 
all of this stuff and you know you're, you're supposed to be doing tastings and seeing venues and trying on dresses and having the girls together you know like and none of that happened so I felt horrible yeah and it's not all about those things I'm definitely like not materialistic in that way but it definitely like rocked my faith a little bit in the sense that you do expect you know your relationship to follow kind of a certain certain pattern and when you know we get engaged and then crisis after crisis happens it's it's nerve-wracking but um you know we made it to the other side and there's light at the end of the tunnel yeah i'm honestly glad that we just avoided 2020 altogether at this point because me too i don't want to be associated with it it'd be easier to count from 2020 as opposed to 21 like how many years oh yeah Not so much. So we had selected September 18th of 2021 to get married, and we kind of booked everything. The church venue said, let's lock it in. And as we said in the video, you just kind of weren't feeling the date. Like, you're really into the the meaning of the numbers and the symbolism behind that. And for whatever reason, it just didn't click with you. Yeah, well, I don't know if other people are like this, but every decision I make, it has to feel right I to like actually vibe with me and the number like it wasn't horrible but I just never felt deep down that it was quite right so I definitely felt like we should change it and um we at that point it was November or December when I decided to move it to June which means we went from 10 months of planning time to six and a half yeah and the time has flown by. Yeah. We're down to like three months now. Yeah. Um, and what's crazy about that date, June 12th, like I know it probably sounded really scripted, really like. I too good to be true. Yeah. Like it was almost too perfect, but that's the reality. I mean, we literally had a date booked and just moved it up because we wanted to get married sooner. And it ended up being on June 12th, which we saw was loving day. Right. Right. And that alone I was cool with. I was like, that's awesome to get married on National Loving Day. And then I actually looked up the meaning of it. And it was the day that the Supreme Court banned all laws prohibiting interracial marriage. And that just like sealed the deal. Like at that moment, I just kind of had those like chills. And I was just like, this, this is meant to be like God's got us, you know. And with me being Italian, you being black, like that just kind of clicked (laughs) with us so quick. (laughs) No, but like, seriously, like, think about that. Like even 65 years ago, you and I would not have been able to go to Virginia and get married. Right. I know. It's really crazy to think about. It's kind of um, eye-opening in a way. Yeah. Well, we typically think about these eras like Jim Crow and even, you know, the civil rights movements of the 60s as if they were hundreds of years ago right. when my parents were alive you know exactly like, they were in the south you know yeah. in this area when when they still i mean they would have been able to get married but you know what i mean like it's just crazy that my my mom and dad were alive during a time where you and i would not have been able to get married exactly i mean same here i thought that was my first thought as well it's like when my mom was born interracial marriage was still legal a lot of things were still illegal yeah and a lot of the people who were angry at the loving family back then are still alive today. And the people who were, you know what I mean? Like they didn't just go away. That's very true. It's only, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we see so much of it now and gosh, the, the history behind loving day was just unknown to us. And that's when it kind of clicked that that date was just perfect. Yeah. And It, it definitely inspired me on like another level to like stand up for this 
purpose that we have yeah you know we have mm-hmm. a purpose for creating unity like we are the next generation we will be raising the next generation and in another 65 years i i hope to see you know a better world yeah it was cool to see the movie about loving day and the story of you know loving versus virginia the movie wasn't fantastic <laughs> like i didn't yeah, love the I did, movie i didn't love the movie i i feel like it was um more impactful just reading about it i think so too we gotta watch the documentary though we still haven't done that about loving day and that couple and all of that well and then another thing that was kind of cool was the whole like connection to john brown and he was a, a an abolitionist you know back when you know they were trying to eradicate slavery and how the church that will be getting married at St. Peter's and Harper's Ferry kind of played a role in that abolitionist movement. And John Brown, who was such a strong figure in that movement, was a member of that church and frequented. And it's the same building, you know, like it's the same one that he went to. And we ended up going and visiting that church for the first time on the weekend before the show about John Brown premiered on Showtime. Like, Right, the another Good Lord Bird came out like that Monday. We were there that like Saturday, and then again, and that was another click. We're like, "Holy crap!" Like, well, we didn't even know about the show. It wasn't until your mom yeah. just randomly mentioned, yeah, "Hey, right. have you heard about know. this show?" Yeah. And you're like, "No, I haven't." And then you went and looked up. Um, we had taken a picture of the plaque yeah. at the church the weekend before, so you're like that name sounds familiar. That's when you made the connection. Another yeah. thing we didn't even know, and then with the church, remember it was. Um, Thomas Hall. Yeah. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. very, very coincidental. There's a lot. And again, it's really small. It's one of those, like, little things that I think that people can really cling on to, you know, in times like now. And, um, you know, there's so much negativity out there. And, you know, we'll always land in the right spot. I also wanted to talk a little bit about what it was like for you planning all of this during a pandemic. Because, like, Obviously, everyone knows, like, we're all just inside more. Everyone's drinking more wine. Everyone's watching more Netflix. You know, no one's seeing their friends as much as they'd like to. But, like, trying to plan something like we're trying to plan and even getting our family together and celebrating this when we can't go out and see things, can't have, like, the same planning experiences. Like, how has it been for you kind of doing all well, that? Because I haven't done as much. Like, let's be honest. I, I, There are certain decisions that I can't make in regards to a wedding. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, everything's pretty much online anyway, so I wasn't affected too much until it came to actually physically going places, um, like especially the dress buying process, because I have a big family. I have four sisters, and I always expected everybody to be there, hearing everybody's opinions and that just wasn't the case. I mean, the bridal shops at that point were allowing one visitor. So I brought my mom anyway, and she basically had to just stand outside the showroom, but she could like see me from the doorway. So that was different. I'm just happy, you know, she was there at all. But I mean, none of my other sisters got to partake in that moment. And now buying uh, bridesmaids dresses has yeah, been... how's that going? It's been insanely difficult, (laughs) like of all things, because I have six bridesmaids. They're all different and everything's online. Different what? You mean like different body type, different personality, like all of the above. (laughs) And I literally am still trying to decide. I've probably looked at like 
6,000 dresses. I'm not even kidding. And all I'm trying to do is find a simple black dress, but it's proven extremely difficult. And I think that's part of the reason um, as well that it's been difficult. I think only being able to look online mm. is one of the reasons why it's so difficult. Yeah, I you mean, want to like go out to Nordstrom and try on a bunch of dresses, get everyone together. You know, like that seems like an experience that yeah, it's, it's just, just part of the package here, but you can't do that when you have to just like send screenshots through a group text. Yeah, also everything's sold out. Every good thing is sold out. <laughs> don't know what that's about. I don't know who's buying these dresses. It means you got good taste, I guess. Who's buying these dresses right now? People like us. People like you, really. Um, no, that's probably just because of... Uh, people need new work-at-home outfits. <laughs> that's what it is. They're going to, uh, to Lulu's and getting some new dresses to put on for the Zoom call for the 12 o'clock meeting. So what else do you have to do? Or... What else do we have to do? You see, I, I, I'm immediately putting all of the onus on you. You see yeah, that? Yeah, thanks a lot. So what else do we have to do? Because like, let me be real here. I want to help. I wish I could just say, hey, you're going to pull rank. You're going to pick this bridesmaid's dress. You're going to tell all these ladies that they're going to wear it. And I'm going to tell my guys they're going to wear this. And we just have this done by the end of the day. But we can't do that. What else do we have to do, though? So we've got the fashion, right? That's its own spiel. Food is done well we booked our caterer so we only we're not going to have a ton of people obviously it's going to be like a backyard thing yeah. but like we have to go and do our taste test and choose our menu so we haven't done that yet but what else do we really have to do we've got our photographer who's amazing by the way um we have to choose like an itinerary so we have to kind of plan out the weekend in a way we'll kind of get into what we're doing as far as like the rental but I, I feel mean, like we're all we're pretty the, much done. I'd like to think we're done, but I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of details that are just gonna like pop out of the woodwork that we need to be prepared for. I think that's where I come in, because like you're more of a you know you've got the design and you've got the overall scope of what you want it to like look and feel like. As far as details, like who's going to be where and when and planning the whole schedule out, like I think that's kind of me. Yeah. Or it will be when we get there. Yeah. Well, one thing I was still trying to decide about was if uh, we should get videography or not. Mm. Granted, it's a more casual ceremony and reception, but it still seems like something that, you know, we have the opportunity to do now in this day and age. And I just feel like I don't want to regret not having it. Um, I don't know if that's something that's worth it, but mm. I feel like that's one of the last things that I would want. So this is, I love how we're just literally doing our wedding planning live right now, but that, that's that been one of the things I've struggled with is, do we need a video? Do we need like a 4K highlight reel of our wedding? I'm not saying that because I don't want those memories too, but I'm just like, I definitely the cost do. of, you know, <laughs> having Martin Scorsese come out and capture our big day and like, yes, I want the memory as well, but then it goes into like, how often are you going to go back and watch your wedding day? Like, we yeah. do want that, but do we have, like, can we just pop an iPhone back on a tripod in the back of the church and just, like, watch that in a couple, you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, and again, this is one of those situations where, to be transparent, like, yeah, we wish money was no object, and we were the Kardashians and can just hire actual Spielberg to film this thing, but, like, for the cost versus like the memory that's where i'm having a hard time justifying getting a huge video package like i love our photographer and i love having those memories but the video thing i i can't wrap my head around is it was video this important in 1985 you know or is this kind of an instagram thing like i'm i'm just being honest here that's true. I think it definitely has like blown up recently with the highlight videos and you know all of those things, but 
I think it's blown up for a reason. I just feel like, you know, maybe you have like a photographic memory and you'll just like remember how I sound and things that we said, but I definitely feel like it's all going to blur together for me and I'm just going to want that documented. Do you think you'll be able to actually relax and have fun oh, yeah. on June 12th? You think so? I might need an Advan or something. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> okay, let me not. Uh, <laughs> Several. I, I'll do some meditation that morning. We should be good. Yeah, I hope so. So we've got a little uh, little game to play here. You're going to ask me a couple of questions about you. And we're going to see how well I do on a Marissa quiz. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to ace this. Yeah, and I, I just want the big ones. So give me three questions, right? You got three that you picked out? Yep. I got three. They're easy. Oh, okay. Oh, in that case, chalk me up. What's number one? Do you know what I wanted to be at age 12, at age 16? And then do you know what I do now as a profession? <laughs> well, I know what you do now. You're a nurse um, in one of the craziest times to be a nurse ever. 12 and 16, though. I think I know 16, but I don't think I know 12. Um, Because we talked about this before. When you were 16, like heading into college, you wanted to be an interior designer. Right. And that's so far from what nursing is now. I don't think I know 12. I'm going to guess, though. I'm going to say, because you used to swim. I'm going to say you wanted to be a swimmer, like an Olympic swimmer. You wanted to be Katie Ledecky. That sounds great, but no. No? What was it? No, when I was 12. So I actually always love this question. It's when you were young, what did you want to be? And that's what you should be doing. Mm. That's kind of like what you were meant to be doing. And when I was 12, I wanted to be a fashion designer. Oh, interesting. Right? I never knew this. Okay. I, could you see me as a fashion designer right now? Yeah. Honestly. Really? And when like, I, you're a great nurse, but I almost... I almost associate you more with design and fashion than I do the medical field. Isn't that interesting? I really do feel like it sticks with you in some way. Like when I was 12, I was cutting up clothes. I was gluing on pieces. I was taking sewing classes and I loved it. I mean, I still have a pillowcase I made. I was going to say, I know your mom still has some of these designs somewhere. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed taking an article of clothing and putting my spin on it so who knows what would happen yeah. if i if i went that route let's but. talk about this what happened how do you go from i want to be kate spade to suddenly saying you know what i'm gonna put these scrubs on which is highly fashionable yeah. but at the same time very far from design and art yeah well the transition really happened like you said in high school I was so excited to graduate high school, never take another science class, never take another math class. Mm. And then I did this senior project and it's an opportunity for me to choose something I wanted to do before I graduated high school. So for whatever reason, I didn't choose anything with design or um, fashion. I ended up choosing um, a service project. So at that time, I just volunteered around the community and like, tried to get to know people and I was taking like pictures at Habitat for Humanity like I was just putting myself all out there right Mm. and it was at that time that I was like I really like connecting with people I really like serving so that's when I made the transition and it was like 
interior design one day and nursing the next. Wow. Like it just, it just took that turn that quickly. You can still, part of me says you can still do that. I, I think you flex your interior design skills, obviously at home, but like, I don't know. That's not something I think you have to give up. Like, I think you can still yeah. do yeah, that. Do you regret making that change or how do you feel about it? Because sometimes, yeah, I mean, sometimes yeah. I, I mean, you've got some you really ha- hard days, right? You come home from a really exhausting, mentally, physically, spiritually draining day. And you're like, why am I not just like making a dress right now? Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't mm-hmm. help but have those thoughts, but I didn't get into nursing because I knew it was going to be easy. I got into it so I could have an opportunity to serve. And, and that's really why I do it, you know, every day. And I am thankful for nursing in the sense that it's pushed me to be a better person. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think partial credit for the first question here. I got yeah, two no, out of three. Good. Oh, well, you know, one out of two, but we'll take that. Let's go to number two because uh, I'm ready to ace this one too. Okay. Question two. Do you think that I'm more of a middle child or a youngest child? So I have nine siblings. I'm the second to youngest, but I'm the middle of the three youngest girls so i kind of have both going for me which one do you think i exhibit more traits of this is tough um i don't know i think (sighs) am i a spoiled baby or am i (laughs) (laughs) uh, always forgotten (laughs) i'm trying to tread lightly here so i i honestly think that the siblings are almost broken down into like seven different groups there are only nine of you but i'm gonna say seven different groups because i think like everyone kind of overlaps like you can group like the oldest five or you can group the the youngest four you can do the three youngest girls and like you know what i mean like there's always these different like dynamics at play yeah i will say you are more of a youngest child yeah and here's why i think with like i'm a, I'm a true middle kid mm-hmm. so I have the classic, like, no one understands me. No one's listening to me. Pay attention. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm, a per, I'm a people pleaser, I'd say, also. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely am aware of the other middle children and aware of the ones that kind of aren't spoken for or, you know, that's kind of my innate nature. But I think for you, you, especially in regards to your dynamic with your siblings, I think you tend to be more of a youngest child in that you're so used to having them kind of cater to you bring you things no i seek their advice i respect my elders yeah, yeah. <laughs> no I, even with us too so I, I i feel like you are innately and i think a lot of it is because of what you do you know for 40 plus hours a week as a nurse like i feel like you are more of a people need to like it's take nice care to, of me it's nice to take care it's nice to be taken care yes, of you enjoy when you take care, care of, of others for I, your job i would agree with that okay. so but i will say you are more of a youngest child that was a really long explanation i had to tread carefully on like five different levels but what would you hey, you can be as? honest with me i'm being honest i'm being honest with you basically you're a baby is what i'm saying yeah it's basically no, no, you're no. a baby Yeah, I would agree with you. I think it's more of the youngest child syndrome because I just remember growing up, like, if I didn't do it, there were seven older siblings that could or would. Lucky you. You know what I mean? Sounds nice. Yeah. So I think I kind of just adapted the mindset that things would be taken care of. Things would be taken care of for me. Before, you know, the responsibility got to me, it had to go through seven other people. So for those reasons, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't, you know, I grew up with three siblings and, you know, I thought we were tight until I met you guys. 
and yeah. it's like a different level. Different, it really it's is like, like next level. Yeah, because like when you have that many kids spread out over so many different decades, the older ones end up taking care of the younger ones, and there's this like bond connection that you literally just don't have if there aren't so many of you guys. And there's like almost like a specific language that you can speak. Yeah. That even when I'm in the room with like two or three of you, I'm like, it's it's literally like sitting in a room with people who are speaking in a foreign language. It, really? it, that's how it feels because wow. it's like, I don't know, you're, you're either in or you're out. And it's not to mean that, that's not to say that it's exclusionary, but it just feels so tight. Tight. Yeah. And like yeah. they, and they don't know this, but they influence my diet more than they know because you guys are really into the. <laughs> we love food, but love we're food. Italian. That's what I'm saying. So like we bond over food. I think another thing that strengthened that bond was the fact that we were all homeschooled until high school. I mean, we spent, I went to school at like 13. So for 13, 14 years, we were together all the time. We were each other's best friends, schoolmates, teammates, whatever it may be. And we just have such a strong bond now that I'm like so grateful for. They're all my best friends. And um, that's why I want to have a big family. Would you change anything about the way you guys grew up? Hmm... More trips to Disney. <laughs> God bless your parents. That's like a $7,000 trip to Disney. Yeah, no. my Our vacations were uh, trips to my grandparents' pool. So mm-hmm. yeah. that was just fine. That's all you need. Them, them poolside ham and cheese sandwiches with Doritos on them. How you doing? All right. Last question. I went two for two so far, I think. And we'll see if I can get number three here. So this is fun. I, I like, I know you better than you think I know you. I know. I know you know me well. All right. What's the last one? All right, question number three. A little bit of a um, more intense, a little bit more deep. I ain't scared. What moment in my life gave me a new perspective on things? Ooh. You want one specific moment or like? That, yeah, one specific moment. Oh, that's tough. Okay. Um, hmm. That's a really good question. I will say it has something to do with a mission trip. Um, yeah, because you've, you've been to some really incredible places and how your faith is kind of tied into those as well. Um, I can't pinpoint any specific story, but I'm going to say something involving a mission trip. I want at least partial credit for this if I'm right. Yeah, you're definitely right in that sense. So there were a bunch of defining moments on those mission trips, like you said. But yeah, one really sticks out to me. Um, So just a little bit of backstory. So my dad had passed away when I was 22. At that time, I knew I kind of needed to like pursue my purpose in life. And I ended up quitting my job at Johns Hopkins and paying my own way to Um, a mission trip in the Solomon Islands. And it was actually a three-week long mission trip. I literally lived in and embraced poverty. And it was actually the night before we were supposed to leave and go home. And I lost my phone in one of the cabs. And we, you know, we called the cab driver back, had him come to the house. We looked through that car, like, top to bottom. It just wasn't there. Yeah, and this was, like, the night before you fly home from yes. the Solomon Islands. This so, was, yeah. this phone had three weeks worth of notes, pictures, uh, videos. It was my lifeline. Oh, I mean, I'm, memories, about, to, oh my God, I'm yeah. about to get on a plane mm. to 
fly home to Baltimore by myself with no phone. So I was devastated. I was crying. I was angry. Probably felt really alone. Yeah, I was feeling a lot of emotions at that point. And I was just kind of like, you know, it was like that why me? Like that why me feeling? Like, how am I going to get home to Baltimore? Like, yeah. why, you know, why is this taken from me? And um, I remember just laying in bed and feeling really lost, like alone, confused. And then the words, I give it all to you, just like flooded my mind. Mm. I really feel like it was like a moment where God intervened and said, what you have lost, give it to me and then some. Mm. You know what I mean? Like in that moment, I gave him the phone. Like, I know it sounds simple, but it was a profound moment for me. Like, I gave him that material item. I gave him all of the memories and the pictures and the notes from the phone. And then to really fully surrender that to him, I then needed to give whatever other material things I was holding on to. So at that time, I just completely felt inspired, energized. I couldn't wait to wake up the next morning. I had this feeling to give away the contents of my suitcase. So that was to the children, the families, the people surrounding me. And I had some candy. I was just like handing out candy. Um, I gave them my clothes, my pillow, basically everything I had with me, I gave away just on my own. It was the most freeing experience I've had in a really long time. Do you wish someone was there to capture that moment for you? No. In that moment, I didn't need any... I didn't need any documentation, but, you know, what it was doing to my heart. Like, it's clear enough that, like, that will never leave me. I don't need a picture or anything like that whatsoever. I mean, it, it carried over with me. It carried with me in the sense that whenever I have to sacrifice something now, I always hear that in my head. I give it all to you, and then I give you more. Mm. And it just, it fills that emptiness. It fills that void. Mm. You know, that's kind of to come full circle here. Well, the reason I asked if you wanted to have someone capture that is because it sounds like it's straight out of a movie scene, right? Like the girl who travels halfway across the world, loses, you know, the most valuable thing that's with her, decides to give it all back to people who didn't grow up with anything. You know, I, I'm like envisioning you like surrounded by these kids and these people who, you know, wanted, needed these things that to you, you had the privilege of giving away. Right. And just to, to visualize that is impactful. And well, that that brings me back to how we kind of started this podcast and our engagement at St. Patrick's Cathedral, because I knew going into that, that that was a pivotal moment. Right. It was, you know, me on a knee, you with the shocked face on. And I said, you know what, do I want someone to capture this? Like, do I need someone there with their phone to get a picture of me on a knee? But, you know, we talked about that before, you know, if you wanted a photographer, if you wanted it to be public. But I wanted that to be a moment where what you felt at the Solomon Islands and you said, you know, I don't need anyone to capture this because I have it up here. I wanted that moment to be similar for us in that. I don't need anyone else to capture this. While maybe it would be great if there was a photo of me on a knee, I also said, you know what? I, I want this to be her, I, and 
our God in this place, like we'll have that moment forever, regardless if there's a, a photo of it or not. Wow. Yeah. You never actually, um, explained it to me that way before, but that's a, that's a really good point. I agree with you. I think that I can kind of look at that moment a little bit differently. Um, after you saying that, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just a moment that however I remember it is how it's meant to be remembered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the only two people who really saw that that way were you and I, right? There were people around. I mean, St. Patrick's Cathedral Christmas time is packed, but you know, it's that moment's just ours. And that's kind of why I wanted it to be that way, but not to go too far from our topic here, but that that story yeah, of you and the Solomon Islands giving things away is like, that's incredible. Like that, that is a moment that'll define who a person is. And I don't know, I feel like you can take that with you forever. It really was that experience for me. So I feel really blessed. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, um, this was fun. Was this, uh, was it as bad as you thought it was going to be? Surprisingly, no. I hate talking about myself and (laughs) opening up and all of those things, but it was actually really, really fun doing this with you. Aww. One day we'll do a take your fiance to work day and I'll come be your your tech or something at the hospital. That would be great. (laughs) Great for you, maybe. Not great for me. I'd be, uh, uh, I'd do what with that bag? (laughs) 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 Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Thanks for interviewing me. Thanks for being with me. <laughs> <laughs> <All of you. laughs>